I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm trying to teach you how to study the Bible. Definition is everything. The English Bible is, the English language is a harlot language. It sells meanings out. And without going to a concordance and other word study books, you're not going to know what these words mean. I've heard preachers say, Testament and covenant are two different things. They're not in the Greek language. Why the why the translators translated testament, translated some words to testament, others to covenant, I don't know why they did it. Because both the words in the New Testament Greek is the word diatheke. And all of these words that I put on the board have to do with each other. Diatheke means last will and testament. Now we've already said, well let me go through some of these. That is what an inheritance is. You don't get an inheritance till the death of the testator. The Bible says that. And everywhere you find testament, it means last will and testament. That has to do with Jesus and his death. The testament was not in effect until he was dead. The New Testament, the Old Testament was still in effect. They were still worshiping in the temple at the time of Jesus. Jesus would go to the temple and he didn't condemn the temple. It had a veil, had the Ark of the Covenant, it had the table of showbread, had the altar of incense, and the seven candlesticks, and it had the brazen sea. When they left Egypt, it was called a labor, and it was small because they didn't have that many high priests or that many priests of the tribe of Levi. That was the thirdborn of Jacob. And had a labor, but they grew till they had to come up with the sea. And we got a picture of the sea. It's in a book that I got at home and I got Jesse. Well, this thing is not working, Mike. Does anybody know how to make this work? All right, I want to go over to the sea. And that's the sea. You'll find the sea in First Deut- Kings, the seventh chapter. And they had to build a sea that would that had 2,000 baths in it so the priests could come to the sea and wash after they offered sacrifice on the brazen altar. Now, all of these words have to do with the same thing. The last will and testament is the inheritance. Inheritance in the Greek, it's a word, klero, nomia. You may recognize the word nomia. It comes from the word nomos, or nomos, however you want to pronounce it. Nomos, and that is the word law in the Greek, law. Kleros means a portion. So it means, inheritance means a lawful portion. 
you have to be an inheritor of an estate of the estate of Christ you can only be inheritor of this last will and testament you can only be an inheritor when you have a lawful portion and that only comes about when we are adopted into the family of God I got to put another word in here predestination belongs in this predestination because predestination predestination has to do with adoption let's look at a word over there in Ephesians and you have to be adopted in the family of God Ephesians the first chapter verse 5 Ephesians 1 and verse 5 having predestinated us unto the adoption of children you cannot adopt yourself and you can't get into the family of God by walking down an aisle and accepting Christ there's no such thing you'll only accept Christ and his teachings after he births you by his will of his own will begat us we're born into the kingdom of God, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, we're predestined to be adopted. Why is predestination necessary? Because there's none that seeketh after God. And as I said earlier, we're made of corrupt dust. And we can't seek God. There's nothing good in us until God puts his seed, which is Christ, in us, which is the Holy Spirit. So, Kleronomia is that word is that word inheritance. Now the word the word for inherit is the word kleronomeo. They're from the same word, clero. Nomeo. That's the word inherit. And then you have the word you have the word air. H-E-I-R. The air was clero. Clero-nomos. So you can see they all come from nomos and kleros, which means a legal, lawful portion. Now look here. The reason predestination is necessary, we have to be adopted into the family. Now this word having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. And people have asked me, why would God do that, pick some and not the others? He says right here in this verse, why? According to the good pleasure of his will. Because he wants to. It's his program. Well, I don't think I like that and I don't understand that's because you can't think like God thinks he said your thoughts aren't my thoughts so when he says I'll pick some and not others and you look down here in verse 11 speaking of Christ in whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated we have become heirs legal heirs because he has predestinated us According to the purpose, it's his purpose, prothesis. 
pro t h e s i s that is a form of pro meaning toward or excuse me means before excuse me i'm thinking of pros before Tithomai, T-I-T-H-E-M-I. Tithomai has the idea of laying out something level, like a track. It's the same word that Jesus used when he said, No man takes my life from me, I lay my life down. It's the same word as lay over there in John 10. It's the same word as lay. Now, what does adoption mean? Anytime you find the word adoption, it is the word huiothusia, H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. And huios, huia, it comes from huios. Huios, it's like a, as if you're saying who. It's like a W sound, but it's a diacritical one. Huios is the word sons. Antitheme, that's the same basic word we said down here, to lay out or to place. It means to place. Place sons. You don't place yourself in the kingdom. You have to be adopted into the kingdom. And we are adopted. And adopted children usually had more favor than the sons themselves because they didn't have a mother or a father. And so they would bring them into the family and place more favor upon them and leave them as much as they'd leave their children in an inheritance. Well, that's what we've been. We have been inherited. Now, there, we have to be predestinated. There's several other places you've got this word adoption. Look at Romans 8 and 15. Romans 8. Romans 8 and 15. And if you go to all these places where you have these words... What it'll do, it'll help you to see words that are connected with these words and what it means to be adopted. Romans 8 and 15. 8 and 15. Now here's what it says. Let me see here. I believe that's Romans 8. Yeah, 8 and 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit. The Holy Spirit is truth. So you can substitute truth anywhere you find the spirit. You have received the truth of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The reason why we cry, Abba, that's the same thing as saying, Daddy. Because Ab, that is that father in Hebrew, the Ab. That's Abba, father. So we cry Abba, father. 
and we have to be adopted, placed as sons in the kingdom. Let me give you a couple more of these. Look at verse 23. Verse and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan. You have to be groaning to be adopted. Groan is the word stenazo. Now, it's good to know the difference between a verb and a noun when you get into this. Noun. The noun form of groan is the word stenos. The noun is stenos. So whenever you're adopted, you have to be going through the straight. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life. So you've got to be going through. In order to be adopted, you have to be going through the straight, the stenos gate. And if you are, you will stenazo, and you'll be groaning When we groan, what are we doing? We're going, man, this is a tough life. Uh, Being a believer is so hard because you have to repent. You have to have a daily cross. You have to have self-denial. you got to be hurting inside. I get up every day and look out my window in my kitchen. i got about 14 windows around my kitchen, and there's all this light coming in. And it's kind of depressing because I look out, and there's a lawyer back over here, and there's a chiropractor on this side, and there's a builder down, and I say none of them believe the truth. They don't care nothing about the truth. I've talked to all of them. I know. They just don't care. When I talk to people about the truth, about predestination, or Christmas is pagan, very few people want these truths. Very few. So, you have to be going through the straight and narrow way. Narrow is the word thalibo. Not thalipsis. Thalipsis is the is the noun form. T-H-L-I-B-O. And that is the verb form. Narrow doesn't look like a verb, but it is. And then it comes from the word thalipsis. And thalipsis is the common word tribulation from one end to the other of the New Testament. Tribulation. So when you're going through this this narrow tribulation way, we must do much tribulation. Acts 14.22, that's where Paul said that. We, and that was after he was stoned and left for dead outside of Lystra. That was a town in Galatia. He was stoned. They beat him up pretty bad. He looked like he's dead, and they walked away from him. So you have to be going through the straight and the narrow way in order to be adopted. Adoption is not, I get to go to heaven, I'm adopted into the kingdom. It's not that way. All these things are conditioned upon your adoption. Let's look over here and look in Romans 9 and verse 4. 9 and verse 4. Let's read down to it. I say the truth of Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness. Boy, that is something else. Conscience, sunitesis. Soon. 
E-I-D-E-S-I-S. Sunidesis, I keep talking about the inner and the outer man. The outer man serves self. Paul said so in Romans 7, 25. 25. That's the outer man serves the flesh. And the inner man is the new birth in you. And that serves spiritual things. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ. So, the Bible says, Sunetesis. Let's read that again. I say the truth in Christ. My conscience also bearing me witness. Conscience bears witness. The word bear witness is the word S-U-N-M-A-R-T-U-R-E-O-M-A-I. It comes from sum, that would be sum. It's sum is just a, it's just another form of soon, su, sug. They're all forms of the same word. Sumartoreomai comes from sum and martyr, M-A-R-T-Y-R, which is the common word witness witness in scripture the word witness is martyr and that means you have to die but in order for a man to die according to numbers the 35th chapter deuteronomy 17 and deuteronomy 19 it takes two witnesses to put a man to death in Israel. And the outer man has to die. So is my conscience, my soon, soon, ito. Ito means, ito means to see, E-I-D-O, means to see, and soon means with. It means to blend with, the same thing as soon over here. So my conscience that's the inner man gets the outer man to vote and he bears witness with the outer man over the years God causes the outer man willing to die to the flesh so he says my conscience sunitesis I'm seeing with the inner man and he's causing the outer man to be willing to vote that he has to be martyred and die so that's what he's saying here he's saying my conscience bears witness in the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is Holy Spirit. It's Hagias Numa, pure truth. The Holy Spirit's truth. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I would wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. That doesn't mean that Paul wishes he would go to hell. That's not what that means. The word it means I'd rather be cut off from Christ. I'd rather people separate from me, and that's what we're supposed to do is separate from the world. He says, I'd rather be cut off from the world so my kin folks can be saved. And then he says who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption, who are the seer. 
and the glory and the covenants back to the word diatheke. That's the word covenants. And the giving of the law and service of God and the promises. Let me give you a couple of more of these words. Huyothesia. Look over here in Galatians 4. Galatians 4. And verse Galatians 4 and 5. 4 and 5. Let me read a little before that. When the fullness of time was come, in verse 4, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's another word that belongs in that up there. Sons. In order to be a son of someone, that could take us to the sons of God, marrying the daughters of men. To be a son of someone, you had to be doing the will of the Father. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees in John 8, You are of your father the devil. The works of your father you will do. That's why fallen angels are not sons of God. That's just not true. They don't meet the definition for a son. In fact, a true son is one who does, back to to Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 14. You can determine what a son is supposed to be by definition. When you define, when you look at Romans eight fourteen, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You have to be led by the Spirit in order to be a son of God. And the fallen angels weren't led by the truth, were they? No. You have to be led by the Spirit, and the Spirit is truth. John fourteen fifteen sixteen. John fourteen fifteen sixteen. John fifteen twenty six. John sixteen thirteen. First John five and six. John is the one that says this. The Spirit is the truth. So those that are led by the truth, Aletheia. These are the sons of God, the ones that have been adopted, placed as sons. You will be led by the truth. You have to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit is truth. The Bible says that. Truth is the word aletheia, A-L-E-T-H-E. Notice, no matter what subject I go to, all these words come into, into fact, as a factor in it. All of them. It don't matter whether I'm preaching on prophecy or the 70 weeks of Daniel. All these words come into play. So if you're a son of God, this is what will lead you truth. This is the Spirit. People say, I thought the Spirit was a third person. It is. It's the person. It is Christ living in you in your heart. If you're a son of God, these have to be going on in your life. You say, I'm just a young believer. You're going to be young when you start. you got to go through all this trial of this. I've been teaching on this on Tuesday. The inner and the outer man. I can't get away from the inner and the outer man. That's everything that's in the Bible from one end to the other. 
sometimes it's represented in the forms of men like Saul and David. Saul was a picture of the outer man and David was the picture of the inner man. You find it all through Scripture. So you'll be, if you are a son of God, you'll be led by the Spirit, which is truth. Truth is, comes the word lanthano, L-A-N-T-H-A-N-O, and that word means to hide. I put this on the board so many times, maybe if I put it on the board enough, it'll sink into our hearts and we'll use it. It means to hide or lie hid or conceal. Now, truth doesn't mean this. But alanthano means this. When the alpha is the alpha primitive is in front of a word, it negates the word, gives an opposite meaning. Alanthano translates aletheia, and it means not to hide anything. If you are a son of God, somewhere in your life, you'll start wanting to learn these words. You say, Jim, I don't know many Greek words, maybe four or five. Good, use them. If you'll use the Greek words, it'll get to a place where you'll use others. It's very thrilling to go out in public and say something to somebody and they say, here's the Greek word. And then have them look at you and go, I'm a doctor, but I don't know nothing about that. Doctors don't know anything about the Greek. Once in a while, one of them will know something because some part of the body was named after that. But... They, in general, they don't know the Greek language and the Greek Bible. And it's kind of thrilling when you tell somebody this. Now, let me, look, let me get back to these things here. So if you're a son of God, you're going to be walking after the truth. You're going to be taking the cover off. Alanthano is the word truth. And it it's very closely aligned to the word revealed or revelation. Reveal is the word apo, K-A-L-U-P-T-O. That's the word revealed. Revealed comes from the word revelation. Revelation is apo, K-A-L-U-P-S-I-S. Just the S-I-S and the T-O is changed from revealed. It comes from apo and calupto. Apo means a removal or off with, off with, and calupto is the word cover. It means to take the cover off of something and not to hide anything. It has basically the same meaning as truth. Whether anybody likes it or not, that's the truth. Now, I've got all of these words about inheritance. I've got kleronomeo, which is the word, which is the word inheritance. Sometimes it's inheritance. And then I've got the word inherit. I've got the word kleronomia, which sometimes is inheritance. It's usually always. 
But the Bible inheritance is by promise. If you inherit something, that's be that's because God has God has brought to your life He has adopted you and you're going to get into truth and take the cover off and when you do that you're predestined to do that and be like Christ and that is death to self. In order to tell the truth in order to tell somebody Christmas is pagan and God doesn't love everybody that's the truth and you've got to take the cover off. You've got to not hide anything. And you're a son of God when you do that. Now, you may not want to do a lot, but you'll do some. Now, as time goes by, you'll learn these things. Now, I've got... This is connected to blood baptism. A blood baptism was death to self. This We're talking about what was God's last will and testament what is his covenant to us what has it we have inherited we've inherited a blood baptism we've inherited drinking of the cup drinking of a cup has the same meaning as a blood baptism when Jesus said to James and John, can you be baptized with a baptism I baptize with he didn't mean can you be dipped in water Hey, man, I'm going to die tomorrow. Can you die the death? And then that's the same thing as death to self, daily cross, death to the outer man. And this has to do with leaving us an example. Leaving has the basic same meaning as testament a covenant it's a last will look over here in first peter go to first peter i've been wanting to bring this out and it's so difficult for people to get a hold of let me show you something that defining a word makes all the difference in the world look here in first peter first peter first peter the first chapter and let's start reading here in verse 19 and this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward god remember conscience conscience is the inner man voting with the outer man that's what if a man doesn't have an inner man he has no conscience you've got to have an inner man to cause the outer man to die to the flesh well that's the same thing as a covenant same thing Jesus died on a cross and he tells us to take our cross daily and die daily that doesn't mean a literal death because death does not mean annihilation. Death is the word thanatos. Thanatos, in the Greek, it means separation. When a man dies, when the rich man died, and in hell he lift up his eyes, there was a great gulf fixed. There in Luke 16. A great gulf 
The word gulf has the basic same meaning as death. It's the word chasma. Chasma. A chasm is a separation. If you go out to the Grand Canyon, I've been there, is a separation. And you see, you on one side of the Grand Canyon, you look out over the side, there's a great gulf fixed. And you can't go out over there without a plane or without something else. So the chasm, there's a great chasm fixed. And Jesus said, those that are there can't come here. Or Abraham said that. And those that are here can't ever come there. So that's the death that's fixed. Now, let's keep reading here. I've been wanting to show you this for some time. I have brought it out very short and very quick. Very quick in some of my lessons. Now, we're going to read this next verse, and it's going to give us a definition. It's not going to be the same word, covenant, but there are synonyms. Sin, no, and Y-M-S. A synonym is another word that has the same meaning as the word we've already studied. Now, verse 21. Did I finish reading 20? Let me finish reading 20. For what glory is it, is, glory is it if you be buffeted for your faults? You're supposed to suffer, but not for what you do wrong. You shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it... You take it patiently. We're supposed to be... I keep saying this. Vessels of wrath are supposed to persecute us and give us a hard time. You don't need to get angry at the world. God made those people that way. And to take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. For even hereunto were you called. And he's going to name what you were called to. Let me erase this. Here's what you were called to. And this is your last will and testament. Here is what we were called to. The the word church is the word ecclesia. It comes from ek and kaleo it means called called kaleo ek means out we get our word exit from that there's a sign over that door that says exit so we were called out of this world and he's going to tell us what we were called to as the church The same reason that Israel was called out of Egypt, we're called out of this world. Let me see if I can find this. 
we're called out just like they were. They were called out of Egypt to go through this wilderness. This wilderness is a picture of the world that we live in. And they're called to go to Canaan, which is right above the Dead Sea. You go into Canaan, and it'll be renamed Israel. So they were called to go into this struggle and all of the things that they were going through. So he says, Hereunto were you, Kaleo, called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us. When he left, how did he le- how did he leave? How did he leave the world? He died on a cross. He died and he had a last will and testament. And he tells you that here. Leaving us an example. The word leaving is the word hupolempano. Hupo, L-I-M-P-A-N-O. Hupolempano means to be bequeath. When you bequeath something... That's the exact same thing as a diatheke. That's a synonym for... Do you know that word's only been used one time in the Bible in this verse? It's nowhere else. So he had left us a last will and testament, and he's going to start naming what our last will and testament is. And there's a list of things here that he left for us. He left us... The privilege of all these things, of dying on a daily cross, of an, it was an inheritance. Inheritance is the same thing as Dithike, covenant. It's the same thing. Our inheritance is this hupolimpano. It's leaving. When he left, he left... He left this world on a cross and he died. So he's going to name the things. But before I go into this last one in Testament, let me give you two verses. Hold your place there and go back over to Matthew, the 24th chapter. Matthew, excuse me, Matthew, the 26th chapter. Matthew 26. And Jesus is eating the last Passover. So the Passover is connected to all of these things up here. The Passover, they were drinking a cup. And that was an example of drinking a cup. To drink a cup meant to undergo a severe ordeal. I've got this paper on cup that comes out of McClinic and Strong, and he tells you all about to drink of a cup meant to taste death. It meant to undergo a severe ordeal. And what he says here in Matthew 26, this is this should be in bright lights. It should be. It should be in bright flashing lights when he took the cup of the Passover 
He took the cup in verse 27 and gave thanks. The third cup of the Passover was the cup of blessing and he was blessing the cup here. This has to be the Passover. And gave it to them saying, drink all of the cup. Drink it every day is what he's saying. For this cup, He's not talking about the grape juice in his hand. He was acting out a contract. This cup is the New Testament. It is the new diatheke. It is the new last will and testament. Because he's going to die about 18 hours later. He's telling them, as soon as I'm dead... You need to learn to drink the cup daily. Because drinking of a cup meant to undergo a severe death. He's acting a contract. He said this cup is. Is is the word esteem. And it doesn't mean our word is. That's a being verb. It words The word esteem means means. This means this means my New Testament. Or this represents. It means to represent. And it was a contract he was acting out. I've told you that before. They acted out all their contracts. This is the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of Fess's same exact word as forgiveness but in order to be forgiven you have to drink the cup and die that has to do with repentance repentance means to be turned and think differently only God can turn us away from ourselves and this cup is it represents the New Testament he's not talking about the cup they're drinking at the Passover. That's grape juice. He's talking about the cup they have to drink, which is expressed in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, when he's talking about leaving us. He left us when he died this last will and testament. And look over here in one more time in Hebrews i got to keep reading this because a testament has to have the death of the testator. That's what the Bible says. Look here in Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 9. And verse... 9 and verse 16. 16. Well, let's read 15. And for this cause he is the mediator. Now, mediator is the word mesites. M-E-S-I-T-E-S. He is the mediator of the New Testament. It means he's the 
it's it's a go-between one that reconciles a reconciler this is the word meta or mesites m-e-s-i-t-e-s Mesites means a go-between or it actually means an advocate or what we would say we would call it an attorney one who represents us between us and God and the go-between is Jesus. He is a mediator, our mesites, our go-between. He's an advocate, attorney, or a lawyer. And he represents us before God and says, God, this one is mine and belongs to me. So he is the go-between. To cut a covenant, you had to walk when you study covenant you had to you had to go between the pieces and they call that cutting a covenant and that represented the go between or the advocate or the attorney we had been we have an advocate which is Jesus Christ there in first John 2 I believe it's the second verse. We have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus the righteous. And they had to walk between these two pieces of the lamb or the bullock, and they would have this meal at a covenant gathering, and they had to walk between the pieces, go between the pieces. That represented the go-between. That represented us between God and man. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It's not the Mary of Roman Catholicism. Now, so he says here in Hebrews 9, verse, oh, let's finish reading verse 15. And he, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressors. We're transgressors and we have to die. This outer man has to die. It, but he dies hard. He doesn't want to give up. death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament that's the old testament they which are called kaleo might receive the promise of eternal inheritance your inheritance is a promise it's not depending on something you do the word promise is it's what God does. F A G G E L I A. That's the word promise everywhere you find it. Promise. And we're inheritance. We have inheritance by the promise of God. He picks out a people and says, I promise you. Epangelia comes from epi, 
and A G G E L O S. Angelos is the word angel, but the only true meaning for it means messenger. Or Epangelia means to place Epi upon a person's life the good message of God. Epangelia, it, it's related to the word angel, which is the word messenger. Anywhere you find that word angelos, it just means messenger. Epi means to place upon, so he has to place upon his people the ones he's chosen from the foundational world, his message, and he does the placing upon them. You don't place that upon yourself. Epi means upon. Only he does that. So promise means to place the message upon. And then he goes on to say, so he's talking about what we're called to. For where a testament is, there must be of necessity be the death of the testator. Testator is the word diatithame. Dia. Dia. T-I-T-H-E-M-I. It means bequest. Bequest comes from the word bequeath. It means the one who is laid out or disposed. When you dispose something, I I speak of disposition from times you dispose Disposition means the character of a person. If you have a gentle disposition, you're gentle all the time. If you're hard, you got a hard disposition. It means to mete out or dispose. And you dispose of your garbage. You mete it out to the garbage can so the garbage man can carry it off. That's a disposal. So the one who disposes or metes out this bequest which is bequeathing which has the same meaning as diatheke or covenant or testament but there has to be the death of the man who disposed it which was Christ you cannot inherit something from your father or mother until they're dead if they give it to you that's a gift but that's not a bequest That's not a testament, a last will and testament. You only are able to to inherit something if you're a legal son who will foresee you. Now, let's go back over here to... How much time do I have, Mike? 42. How much? 42. 42? Yeah. Boy, I'm going to have to do some dealing here. Now, let's go back over here. To First Peter two and twenty one. Now just keep in mind Testament, covenant, 
diatheke, last will and testament, is the inheritance. And that's what's bequeathed to us. And that's the hupolampano, what he is leaving to us when he died. There has to be the death of the testator. He wasn't saying, drink this grape juice. He said, this represents the last will and testament. He said the same words that you find over there in Exodus, I believe it's the 24th chapter, where Moses sprinkled the people with the blood of the sacrifice and said, this is the testament. He used the same words that Jesus used there at the last Passover. Now, here is your covenant. I've had people say, well, i got a covenant with the Lord. Your covenant is to die. This is what Christ left you. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, and you're supposed to suffer for him. That's what that's what first Peter the next chapter over there in chapter three, for Christ also has suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. That's in verse eighteen of chapter three. He suffered so that we can suffer in the flesh and give up self the flesh. And that is our last will and testament. Now what I want to do, there's a list. This is like sitting in a probate lawyer's court or judge's court and he's reading off a probate. uh, He's probating the, the testament or the last will of a man. And he's reading off like this. And he tells them. He says, now I've got a list of where all this man's goods go to. And what's happening here, this is a list. And people have misinterpreted this. This is what Christ left to us. It's not necessarily talking what he did, even though it is, but it's talking about what he left to us. And the first thing he says he lived, he did, who did no sin, number one. This is the last will and testament. This is what he is leaving us leaving Hupolempano this is the last will the diatheke the last will and testament Hupolempano leaving and it starts off this is what Jesus is leaving to you and I. Who did no sin? Is there a part of us that's not sinning? Yeah. And John tells us that in 1 John 3 
and 9. 1 John 3 and verse 9. He's going to tell you this. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. You've got to have the inner man birthed in you by the will of God that doesn't sin. He has no sin. You say, but don't we have sin? Yes. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed. The seed is the word of God according to Matthew, the 13th chapter, the parable of the sower. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. So that's the first thing on the list. But the Bible says in 1 John 1 and 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth, the truth is not in us. If you have the truth, you have the Holy Spirit, and that's part of our inheritance. So it, the outer man has sin. What he's saying, if you don't have an inner man that can't sin, you have no inheritance. You have to have the new birth, and Christ births himself in us according to his will, not according to our will. So we got a part of us that doesn't sin. So that's the first thing on the list. And the next thing on the list, number two, this is left to all of God's people. And guile was, neither was guile found in his mouth. That word guile is the word dolos, D-O-L-O-S. Boy, this is a hard thing. This might take you a long time to come to this, but you'll seek that. Dolos is the word guile. Now, he didn't have any sin Guile means to talk by trickery. Be tricky. It means to speak, to decoy somebody away from the truth. Decoy. Do you double talk somebody to get them to think something different than what you actually know to be true? Do you try to mislead people? You're not supposed to do that. There's another word that goes along with that, panorgia. And it would be a synonym for guile. And you will find that over in 2 Corinthians 11. This is what the other Jesus does. He uses guile, trickery. And he does the same thing that Satan did in the garden. What he does is put in question the word of God. Does God say that? I don't think he really means that. And when somebody says, I don't really believe in predestination. I don't believe you can go to heaven calling predestination a lie. That means you don't believe the Bible. It's in there many times. God's sovereignty is all over the scripture. 
He's declared everything that's happening, the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, everything is not yet done. If you don't believe in the sovereignty of God, you don't believe in the Bible, and you're not one of the few that's going to heaven. Many are going into the broad way. Only few are going into the narrow way. And here in, here in, God is expressed in the first couple of verses of the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians. Would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, Paul is saying to the church at Corinth. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's the inner man that doesn't sin. That's the only way we can be virgins. In the Spirit. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve. That word beguiled would be a synonym for this word dolos. That word Beguiled Eve, exapatao, E-X-A-P-A-T-E-O, E-X-A-P-A-T-E-O. The word apatao is the word beguiled. X means complete beguiling. And that word beguiled means to delude completely. That's what you do when you use dolos, you use guile. And then he goes on to say, even through his subtility, panargia, that's the word I was talking about, that is a synonym for dolos, which is this word we're talking about. It's the word guile. Guile is very subtle. This word panargia means trickery, adroitness it means to slicker somebody with your words that's exactly what this word guile was not found in his mouth what he's saying i have lifted up to you not to have any guile in your mouth and to talk to people by trickery let your yea be yea and your nay nay and don't build it up to something it isn't there's a, there's a lot of believers use guile they Try to use smooth words to smooth things over. Took me a long time to get out of that. Have you got out of it yet? I don't want to smooth things over. Just tell people the way it is. You won't have to answer for that later on. And that word, it means, well, I flipped away from it. And he goes on into... In Second Corinthians, let me give that to you. I shouldn't have turned away from it. Second Corinthians eleven, and the people and the person that does this is the person that believes in the other Jesus. The man that uses panorgia, trickery when he talks. And you're trying to seduce people and give them to believe something that's not exactly false and it's not exactly true. You're just wanting to twist words to get your idea over so you can come out ahead of it. Maybe money-wise, position-wise, or look better in the front of people. You're not supposed to try to look better. You're supposed to say it like it is. 
I fear lest, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, panogia, his tricky talking. What was the trick talking? All Satan did was put the word of God in question when he said to Eve, did God say, well, he doesn't mean that. Did he say if you ate of this, this tree that you'd die? He didn't mean that. You'll become like him twist God's words and you don't belong to him you're using dolos you may be a baby believer and you're trying to get over it but you need to try to get over it it's awful hard living in our society with all this money and things and stuff out here to not use any guile ever well I've learned that as I got older I, I try not to use any ever and what happens when you use tricky words your minds will be corrupted your minds your noema your perception your intellect your noema your thinking will be corrupted for thero, P-H-T-H-E-I-R-O. It will be rotten and ruined. Your thinking gets off kelter when you use delos or panorgia, which is just another word for that. Your minds will be corrupted for thero. Your thinking, whereas you were simple, from the simplicity, haplotes, sincerity. You'll be corrupted from your H-A-P, haplotes, haplotes. That's a common word that means single as well. If your eye single, you'll look at things from a single area. Then your eye has to be single. Because the seeing eye and the hearing ear, the Lord has made even both of them. You can't see the world and self and God at the same time. Remember, conscience means to see with. Now, and then he says, it'll be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And then he went into that fourth verse, for if it, this is in Second Corinthians 11 and 4, if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus... The other Jesus is going to use panagia, dolos. It's going to be corrupt. That's what preachers do in the pulpits when they say, oh, this doesn't mean what God said here. Uh, it doesn't mean predestinate. It doesn't mean daily cross and death to self. It just means Jesus' cross 2,000 years ago. Without a daily cross, you can't be a disciple, a learner of the Word of God. If he that cometh preached another Jesus... Notice he follows up corrupted minds being beguiled with panorgia and your minds are corrupted and he tells you what causes that, the other Jesus. That's what's going on in the pulpits of America. The preachers don't believe in the true inheritance of God. They don't believe that you have to live without sin. But that'll only be the inner man and the inner man will be will conquer the outer man to a great degree by the time you get older.
And if he that cometh preaches another the Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, another truth, which is not the truth, the Holy Spirit's truth. And you receive another truth. Even Paul said in Galatians, the first chapter, some will come preaching another gospel, which is not another. It's just a perverted gospel. They take the same words out of the Bible and twist it. They're corrupt. Which you have not received, and a gospel which you have not accepted. I'm afraid you'll bear with this other Jesus. And he goes through this chapter and says, These men that come preaching this other Jesus that make you dolos or panagia and make you use tricky words, they're just like the preachers in America. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. That word deceitful in verse 13 it was word delay. D-O-L-I-O-S, D-O-L-I-O-S, which is a form of the word dolos. They're preaching with guile, trickery. That's what the Baptists and the Charismatics and all of them are doing now. They're preaching trickery. They're deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Remember, transformed, metaschematizo. He's talking about these other preachers preaching the other Jesus. Metaschematizo, S-C-H-E-M-I-T-A-Z-O, M-A-T-I-Z-O. Metaschematizo means to disguise themselves. They're disguised as the apostles of Christ. They're a bunch of Baptist preachers with three-piece suits on and a watch fob that makes them look respectable, and they use big words that nobody understands. Like that Bible answer man. Like R.C. Sproul, R.C. Sproul before he died, he, I heard him teach on philosophy one day. I'm not saying he was an unbeliever. He believed predestination, but he was very proud. He liked to use the big vocabulary that he had. And I was listening when he was teaching on philosophy. He said some things so outrageous, words I had never heard in my life. How can a truck driver understand what he's saying? He couldn't. Or a clerk at the grocery store. And then he goes on to say, No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan is metaschematizo, disguised as an angel of light. Satan is disguised as Jesus. I keep saying this. There's two Jesus in the Bible. There's another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. Paul said, I hadn't preached that. But these guys, these guys that are disguised as preachers of truth, and they're not. Billy Graham wasn't a preacher of truth. The man lied constantly. He preached, accept Christ of the master of the salvation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, that's not true. The physical man, the natural man, the sensual man does not receive decomai, 
comes from deck, which is the word ten. A decade is ten years. Decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. When you're dead in sin, you cannot accept Christ. You will accept the things of Christ after he births you by his will and adopts you into the kingdom and gives you an inheritance. And here's your inheritance right here. This is what you have to do. If you don't learn that when you're young, you'll start saying to yourself, have I been talking this way? Have I misled people? By saying smooth words and fair speeches. Good words and fair speeches according to Romans 16, 17, 18. That's what deceives people and leads them to stray. It has been given to us not to use dolos. Beguiling words. That's a part of our inheritance. That takes death to self over years of this outer man. If you've got a covenant with God, it's to die to the flesh. Ah, i got some other words on Dulos. Do I have some time, Mike? Twenty. Huh? Twenty. Twenty? I'm not going to be able to get through all this. It's just so much here. All right. Let me give you... You've got several words that are related to this word dolos, which is the word guile. It means to decoy, to trick, or to bait, to be wily with craft. That's what guile means. It means trick. It has the same idea as Ephesians, the fourth chapter, where the Bible says the winds of doctrine Look at that real quick. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. It, it, it you'll understand you you understand that all these words have synonyms with them, and why they translated the way they did, I don't know. And here in verse fourteen of chapter four of Ephesians. They will henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Delos is what the other Jesus preaches. It's a wind of doctrine. It's trickery. And cunning craftiness, that word craftiness is the word panogia. It is a synonym of delos or the word guile. You've got to learn to speak straight and use plainness of speech. That's why Paul said in Second Corinthians 3 and 12, Seeing we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Be plain, don't embellish something, and make it bigger than it is. And make people think that the consequences are greater than they are. It's going to cost you more than, they, more than it is. Or you're going to build something up to a big, booming balloon. You're going to have to answer for that eventually because people are going to find out all you did was embellish it and you blew it up. You made it into something it wasn't. When they find that out about you, they'll quit trusting you. Did you know that? 
when you are a con, that's what this is talking about. When you are a con, did you know everybody knows that about you? Everybody knows it. When you're using God all the time, they'll say, well, he's building this up, making it bigger than it is. And they won't ever tell you because they don't want to hurt your feelings. All con artists don't know this in the music business. I knew several big super con men. And everybody knew they were con. And they thought they were fooling everybody. And they wasn't. Because everybody knew they were conning. And it got to where that nobody trusted them. You guys that have been using the loss and conning the world, don't you know? You probably don't know. People know you and know who you are. You think you fooled them all along. Saying things that weren't true. Building things up to where it wasn't true. If you really want to be trusted, be completely honest. Like Paul says in Second Corinthians 3.12 Seeing we have such hope, we use great plainness. Great plainness of speech. Plainness is the word parhesia. Parhesia comes from pos and areo. Parhesia means to be blunt, to the point, don't build anything up, don't use guile. It comes from pos means all the word or all of what is spoken. Say it the way it is. Be blunt to the point. Don't build it up bigger than it is. Don't reduce it smaller than it is. Say it like it is. I don't have any problem with that. You know what that does? That makes you free. I am free. I'll say anything to anybody, anywhere. I'll be gentle and kind to everybody. But I'll be very firm in all of my speech. I'm very confident in what I'm saying when I'm telling you these words. Now let's get back to this. Every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craft. Is that word slight? Here's what people do. They use slight. Cubia. Cubia is our word cube. And it's talking about dice. Little cubes of dice. Where they switch dice. And they throw the dice. And you didn't see them hide something in their other hand. And they're using sleight of hand. Just like musicians do. Doing one thing with one hand. So the other hand doesn't know what's... The people can't see what it's doing. You're tricking people. That is panogia. That is delos. By the sleight of men, that's trying to trick people and use sleight of hand. And cunning craftiness, panogia, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. They're wanting to deceive men. They're just wanting to trick you. That's not the way we're supposed to be living. Now, let me give you these other words. This means to decoy. When you use a decoy and you're in a boat and you got these 
duck decoys, that means they're not real. You're just fooling the other ducks. Means a trick, a bait, wily or craft. Then you have the word D O L I O O. D O L I O O. This word means to use deceit. So every time you find the word deceit, whether it's apatao or ex apatao or planeo or planetes, P L A N E T E S, planetes means to cause to be out of the way. The way is narrow. If somebody gets you out of the narrow way, they have deceived you and told you some things by beguiling you and panogia you and deceived you And again, delos are synonyms. And they've been crafty. I don't like being around people like that. I don't like people be around people who are very slick in their talk. Just say it like it is to me. That's why I probably don't make many friends. I get real blunt with my doctors, with any lawyers I'm around. I'll just say, hey, did you know the Bible says this? Did you know the Bible says God doesn't love everybody? You ever heard that before? I said that to my orthodontist. He said, well, I believe you're right. I said, you really believe that? He said, yeah. I said, you just believe that out of the clear blue? Yeah, I believe your church. God doesn't love everybody. i got to go to him Monday. I'm going to have to have something ready for him. And you have the word delos, delios, See, you got all of these synonyms. D-O-L-I-O-S, which means deceitful. And you have the word delao, D-O-L-O-O, which means to ensnare or adulterate. I'll get it in a minute. Adulterate. Which means to deceive, adulterate. So, delao and deceit and planeo and hupalampano, he's left all of this for us, and this is our covenant. When he died, he told, Here's what I want you to do, this is what you're called to do. And you've got. I got all these words in John one forty seven. Nathaniel, when Andrew said we found the Messiah, and Nathaniel said, "Where did he come from?" He said, "From Nazareth." Nazareth was considered. I've said this a thousand times. It was it was considered the septic tank of the earth. You say, Jesus of Nazareth, 
It was like saying Jesus from a septic tank. Jesus the stinking man from the place that everybody's the most disgusting place on the earth. And when Nathaniel said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Jesus said, Behold an Israelite in whom is no guile. He doesn't he said it the way it was. Nathaniel was honest, straightforward. And the Bible's I got these other verses. Maybe I ought to read some of them. Look at Romans three thirteen. Romans three thirteen. Here's the word the lao. D-O-L-I-O-O, which means to be guile for using deceit. We're not supposed to be doing that. Yet I hear Christians all the time building things up, embellishing them. I don't want to do that. Romans 3, 13. It's talking about evil men where no one seeks God. There's none righteous, no one, none doeth good. No, not one. Their their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues they have used deceit. That's that word, delao. With their tongues they have used, have used deceit is that word, D-O-L-I-O-O. They're deceitful. They're using trickery. The poison of asp is under their tongue. When you are tricking people with your words, the poison, the opus of asp. And here's what he says they're doing. That's the same exact word in James, the fifth chapter, where it's talking about rich men oppress you James, the fifth chapter, and he says, talking about you, go now, you rich men, verse 1, weep and howl for your miseries that that may come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten, and your gold and your silver cankered, and the rust of them, rust is the word opus, the same word is the poison of asps under their tongues. So these men are being deceitful. They're seeking money. Always when somebody is using dolos, they're using guile. They're seeking to get some position up on you. They're trying to get an advantage of people. That's the only reason people use God. They're trying to get you to do something that you normally wouldn't want to do. Don't, as a believer, you have been called to no guile. No, I've never heard anybody define these words before. The Bible said, when it's talking about the other Jesus, Second Corinthians 11 and 3, these are deceitful, 
Dolios, D-O-L-I-O-S, D-O-L-I-O-S. These other Jesus preachers are deceitful. They're full of guile. That's what the preachers in the pulpits are. They don't want to say the truth about Christmas is pagan because they're afraid they'll lose their congregation. And they will. They will lose their congregation. You start telling people Christmas is pagan, it's Christ Mass, it's Roman Catholicism, and tell them it's against the law to celebrate it. 300 years ago in America, if you listen to these tricky these tricky guys in the charismatic movement, they tell you if you send you they'll you send them your money that you'll get rich, you'll prosper and be in health. The only problem is that's not our word prosper. That's not our word health. That word prosper means well way, euhodos. And the only way that's well is the narrow way, and it's full of tribulation. Health is the word hugiano. It means uncorrupt words. It's the same word as sound in sound doctrine. That's tricky when they do that. That's delos. That's guile that Kenneth Copeland uses and T.D. Jakes uses and Joyce Myers uses. They are, do I believe they're Christians? Not at all. You will partake in the truth when you you'll not hide anything. When you get into, if you have an inheritance, you're inherited to do these things. I don't have time to go through all of these. I may have to finish this up next week. Now let's get to the, I may come back and hit some more of this on inheritance and guile. Now the next thing in this lineup that you have been left leaving you and that he's left you an inheritance. But now the righteousness of God Well wait a minute, where am I? I'm in the wrong book. Let me get back over to first Peter. Do I have any time, Mike? There's no way I can finish this. I'll come back next week. This is our inheritance. It's to die. You have to die to self in order to speak the truth, in order to have plain speech. There has to be death to self. This is your inheritance. It's your covenant. It is your adoption as a son. God requires this of his sons that you inherit these things. And then he says, I'll go ahead and read the next thing on the list. And the next thing he says on the list, who when he was reviled, well, that's heavy. That's hard to get over. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. That word, re- I'm going to have to get into revile next week because there's a lot to this. He's talking about the word, the common word revile is the word anti loe doreo, A N T I L O I. D-O-R-E-O. 
antiloidoreo, that is the word reviled. And this word antiloidoreo means to rail in reply. Somebody says, you did this, you did, oh yeah, I'll tell you what. You're not supposed to do that. You're not even supposed to talk back. It means to Lloyd Durrell means to reproach back or to vilify. To be involved in vituperation. Let me give you the meaning of vituperation. V-I-T-U-P-E-R-A-T-I-O-N. V-I-T-U. Vituperation. It means to use... When somebody gives you a hard time, use abusive language. When somebody gives you a hard time, what are you supposed to do? Walk away as a believer. What I preach here about walking away from an argument, I mean every bit of it. I won't argue, not five seconds with somebody. I won't listen to the second hard sentence somebody gives me a hard time, I say, excuse me, I have to go now. Lil Durrell means to vilify, give people a hard time, say nasty things to them. means to rail against them reproachfully. I've run out of time. I've got to come back and go through some of these things. I hope you understand. This is your covenant. It's to die. I don't think anybody preaches this that I've ever heard of in the country. I've never heard anybody say, here's your covenant to not have sin in your life, to dolos, not have guile or tricky talking. Just say it the way it is. You know what happens when you say things the way it is? You get a reputation of being completely honest. They would say, people say, don't ask Jim. He'll say things you don't like. But they'll be friendly with him and say, hey, Jim, they, when they want to recommend you, they'll say, well, he'll tell you the truth. Jim will tell you the truth. And I will. I'll say it. I don't care who it hurts. If it hurts my wife, my kids, my grandkids, don't care. I'll say it without the desire to hurt anybody, but I'm not going to hide the truth in any way. I'm ready to die for the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, I don't know what else to ask you other than you lead us and guide us in everything you'd have us to do. Help the church to grow in these things, this covenant, Lord. Our covenant is not something you promised And we don't have any obligation to it. You said we have to be obedient to it. Teach us that. Fight our battles and lead us to your family. In Christ's name we pray, amen.